Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Thumbrell, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And thank you again so much for allowing us to have this time together every day. I know some of you, most of you are here in the Philippines, but we have our friends from all over the world that tune in at some time during the day and watch Morning Devotions. So thank you for the privilege of being in your home. Thank you for allowing Sister Bev and I to be a part of your life. And she is greatly enjoying this um Isaiah Porson. In fact, I'm trying to go a little shorter in the beginning uh, because she wants Mahabang Magsalita at the uh, the latter part. <laughs> okay. So first we've got Psalms 91 with one of our young people. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is your shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. As we go to prayer today, I'm very concerned about businesses. And I know some businesses are doing very well. If you're in technology or supplying things for work from home, you're doing very, very well. But um, a lot of businesses are not doing well. And we need to pray for all of those businesses in Jesus' name. We, Please forgive me, but I've been your pastor for over 40 years. And I've been through the rice and salt days of the 80s when in every home we walked in, it was dark. There were no lights on because nobody wanted to spend electricity. And there was very little food in our houses. We were skinny for a reason. And you know, now we're fat for a reason. God has been good to us. And we watched our nation. And you know, when you, you've been through the hard times and you watch how God has blessed our nation and you watch how we have had 6 and 7% per annum growth for how many years, God has been good to us. This COVID-19 thing needs to be over and we need to see the blessings flow to our people, to our nation again. Father, we come in Jesus' name. Father, we ask for mercy upon our land. I don't know how you just shut down an economy and then restart it. I, I don't think anybody's ever done these things in the world before. In world history, we've never seen this. And polio epidemics, and even during the Black Plague of the Middle Ages, even during the great Spanish flu, Lord, we never saw world economies shut down. Father, this has been a new day. No one really knows the path that is ahead. But God, you do. And we trust in you. Oh, we trust in you. Father, we know that you will care for us. We know that you will care for our families. 
Father, we come on behalf of our city, and we come on behalf of our nation. You said that we would seek the prosperity of the city in which we live, because as it prospers, so we too will prosper. Father, we seek you, and we seek your mercy on behalf of Metro Manila. We seek you on behalf of the islands of the Philippines. We seek you on behalf of our beloved nation. Father, you have called this nation in these last days to be a great missionary sending nation to the world, to be a springboard to all of Asia. But Father, we need an economy to be able to do that. Father, we come in Jesus' name. Bless our nation so that it can be a blessing. Bless and prosper our land, Father. Let there be abundant food from the Batanis down to General Santo City. Let the shores off our islands be filled with fish as all you, you rearrange all the ocean currents to bring all the fish in close. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you bless, bring investments into the land, bring factories to grow and, and produce things, Father, that will be an exporter nation and not an importer nation that our peso will grow stronger and stronger and our people will prosper. We pray for businesses, new businesses to reopen. We pray for all those involved in restaurant business, Lords, and in tourism and in, in hospitality. Father, all of our members who've invested in Airbnbs, Lord, <laughs> there's nobody having bed and breakfast. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, bring tourism back to our beautiful land again. Bring hospitality back to our beautiful land again. Fill our restaurants again, Father. Bless our businesses. Bless the businesses of our land. Bless the businesses of our city. Father, let our economy flourish again. We thank you for it. Father, we again pray for the frontliners today. Lord, I'm asking for miracles. Miracles, Father. Just like with the priests in the temple, they saw the, they saw the lepers coming in cleansed. Lord, and their faith, their faith in Jesus was established. Let doctors and let nurses see miracles, see things that they've given up on. Even Father, when they're faithless, they pray a prayer just because they think it's the right thing to do. And Lord, just answer that prayer. Let them see miracles as they pray for the sick in the hospitals. These doctors don't like to feel helpless, Lord, and they hate losing patients. With every patient that dies, Father, something hurts within them. Lord Jesus, bring healing. Your word says in the book of Luke that you healed people of the plague. Heal people of this plague, Lord. Heal people of this deadly pestilence that sticks. And Lord, let the doctors and nurses see miracles and let them be encouraged. And Father, strengthen them in their physical bodies. They're, Lord, they don't know how they can continue for the rest of the year. But God, you can put your strength within them. Put your strength within them. And Father, I pray for all those at home and there's fever and they can't smell and they got a little cough and they're afraid. Let that fear be broken off of them in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Let that sense of smell return. And Father, let strength flow into their bodies and let their lungs be clear and strong and whole. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. 
We pick up today in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. Sister Bev will be with you in a few minutes. I'm trying to go a little shorter because Isaiah, it, Sister Bev and Isaiah is just like two peas in a pot. I mean, she just loves the book of Isaiah. Paul says in verse 16, I repeat. So he says, all right, when you see Paul repeating something, he's trying to get their attention. Let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, and he said, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. He said, you know, this isn't the right way for a man of God to be talking. But he said, I have to talk like this to you right now. So let, let's just understand here. Paul said, I'm not talking like a man of God. But Paul said, you know what? I need to talk like this to you. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. Remember, he's dealing with these um, super apostles. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourself. You see a little bit of um, <laughs> sarcasm in here. For if you bear with bear it, if someone makes slaves of you, or devours of you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. Now notice, Paul said there are four things these super apostles are doing to you. Five things. He said there are five things the acts in relationship. The acts in relationship of the super apostles. He said, now, now listen to these guys. He said, you know what? They're boasting all the time. They're telling you how wonderful they are. But he said, now how they treat you is different. He said, these are their words. This is how they treat you. And he said, you tolerate it. You tolerate it when they make slaves of you. Do this for me. Do this for me. Do this for me. Uh, cook this for me. Carry this for me. You know, I, I've, I've been in places where, and I say this to my shame, I've been in places where I've watched preachers treat people. Carry my Bible. Bring me a glass of orange juice. Carry my briefcase. Carry my suitcase. Help me with my coat. And it's like people are their valets and slaves. Now, you know, I, I told one of the young pastors one time, he was trying to grab my briefcase from me. And I said, you know, there may come a day when I need you to carry my briefcase, but it is not yet this day. I said, I'm not that old yet. I can take care of myself. Now, you're going to find that people like T.L. Osborne, you're going to find people like Dag Mills, you're going to find people like John Evanzini, you're going to find people that are great, great men of God. They don't treat people like slaves. They don't always want people to serve them. They can take care of themselves. I'll never forget T.L. Osborne with us one time. And one of the staff came to say, Pastor Summerall, uh, 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 Brother Osborne is, is walking down the street by himself. Oh, Because, you know, we don't like anybody to be by themselves. We always have a companion. And so I, I went to find him and I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I was looking for some soap to wash my clothes. 
I said, well, you can just turn them in at the, at the hotel. We'll be glad to cover that for you. He said, no, 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 no. He said, we don't need to spend that money. And so he went out and bought some, some soap powder and was washing his clothes and washing his wife's clothes. And you just sat there and you look at it and go, this is one of the greatest men of God I've ever met in our whole generation. And he's out buying detergent to wash his own clothes in the sink of the hotel. I thought, Lord, this is a man of God. He said, and they devour you. They, they consume what you have or take advantage of you. How many times have I even seen assistant pastors on our own staff? Not anymore, they're all gone. They have church members that have set up special rooms for them to come by that house and sleep during the day, or they come by and they have lunch at this church member's house every day, and, and they take advantage of people. Paul said, you, you've never known me to do that with you. He said, or put on airs, like we're so important, we, we need a cordon sanitaire. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, oh, he said, or strike you in the face. He said, evidently, the, these super apostles, they were so arrogant, they not only put on airs, they actually slapped people in the face. Not like some super elite person who was condescending to people. Now, now that's what some of these super apostles were like in Paul's day. And then Paul says, to my shame, I must say, we are too weak for that. Paul said, I, I can't do that. He said, I, I can't act like these people. He said, this is what you think a leader is supposed to act like. Paul looks at the Corinthians. He said, this is what you want Christian leaders to act like. He said, to my shame, I must say, we're, we're too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares boast of, <laughs> I'm speaking as a fool. He said, I also dare to boast of that. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. <laughs> Let me just back up. So obviously the super apostles were Jews. They were not Gentiles. They were Jews. And that was part of their, their promotion, that they were Jews from Israel. But I, I, the last one is the funniest one to me. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. <laughs> I love Paul. He just said, listen, I look at all these guys. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to play that game. But he said, I'm a better servant of Christ than they are. I like Paul. Talk about straight in your face. <laughs> I just... I just love it. Paul said, you know what? I don't mind. They want to make all these comparisons. I'll make the comparison that counts. I'm a better servant of Christ than they are. <laughs> he said, I'm talking like a, a madman. He said, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. He said, five times I've received from the hand of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Now, because they considered 40 lashes would kill you. So they took him to the point of death. So he was beaten until the point of death. 
said, 40 lashes less one. That, he said, I'm brought right to the point of death. Five times. Now, brothers and sisters, if you saw his back, when Paul talks about he bore in his body the scars of Christ, yeah, if you looked at Paul's back, it was a mess. Now, it would have healed over, but scars on top of scars on top of scars, Paul's back would have been a mess of scars. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Now, beaten with rods is like heavy sticks, not, not like a little cane in Singapore, but heavy, heavy sticks. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift in the sea. He said, on frequent journeys, danger from the rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Now notice the constant use of the word danger. So flooded rivers, robbers, the Jews persecuting him, Gentiles persecuting one another to kill him. Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Paul lived. Paul lived a life of overcoming fear. Now you'll see a little bit more of this tonight when we talk about how Paul rejoiced in sufferings. Okay, you'll, this will mean more to you now. Tonight will make this mean more to you. He said, in toil, in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger, thirst, often without food, in the cold and exposure. He said, look at this. I mean, this is what Paul went through. This is, this is Paul's life. This is what it cost him to start churches all over the world. And, and sometimes I talk to young pastors today, and they don't want to go to the province to start a church because there's no money in the province. Does that sound like the same heart that Paul had? We need a new generation of young people. And young people, when you read your Bibles like this, remember how I taught you last Sunday to be self-correcting? When you read your Bible like this and you see this was the heart of a man of God, if there's a call upon your life, Forgive me. I would not be afraid about money. Look at what Paul went through. And apart from other things, there's my daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. Now, you know, me, I just have, I'm just dealing with one church and the cares of the people of one church. Paul had the anxiety or the cares of all the members of all the churches he started. Paul never stopped loving and caring. He never stopped. He said, who is weak? And he talks about his heart toward the members. This is Paul's heart toward the members. He said, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? You want to get Paul pissed off? I mean, th this word indignant is a strong word. The only 
thing I could use to describe would be he's pissed off. It's it's past being angry. I mean, he's pissed off. He said, when when somebody's made made to fall, he said, I, yeah, that that gets Paul really, really, really upset. He said, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. <laughs> All right, now here's here's real boasting. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in the basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. He said, you know what? <laughs> that shows that I'm weak. He said, this was, this was at the beginning. At the start. He said, you know, this, this was at the beginning. It's at the start. All right, I'm going to stop there. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Welcome back to Isaiah. Today we're starting in chapter 23. So that is the oracle concerning Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are both cities in Phoenicia. You know Phoenicia because you know that a Phoenician woman came to Jesus asking for prayer for her daughter. She's the very famous story from our Gospels in the New Testament. So you know that there are stories also about Tyre in the New Testament. So when we read about that in chapter 23 of Isaiah, we're reading about familiar places as Isaiah continues his tour of the nations. Phoenicia is just on the coast a little bit north of Israel and just right on the coastline. So Tyre and Sidon would be port cities, very important port cities. Okay, chapter 23, the oracle concerning Tyre. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is laid waste without house or harbor. Ships of Tarshish. What are ships of Tarshish? Because you read about those not only here in Isaiah, but you read about ships of Tarshish in many of the prophetic books. You read about it in the Psalms. And you read about ships of Tarshish also in um, the historical books like the Kings and Chronicles. You read about ships of Tarshish. What are ships of Tarshish? First of all, they're a picture of pride. Remember the lofty, very high sails and so on. It became a little bit of a picture of pride. And in this verse, they're ships without a harbor. Because while they were away in Cyprus, Tyre was destroyed. So they had no harbor to go back to. But generally speaking, ships of Tarshish have a meaning. Because Tarshish, yeah, it was really a place. You know that place because Jonah tried to run away there. And, of course, he was supposed to be going to Assyria why would Jonah not want to go to Assyria? Because they were known to be cruel and powerful people who it would not have gone well with him if he would have been caught there. But instead, he tried to take a boat and go up to Tarshish because port cities, all right? And because the trading was so important for the whole area, we read about it in various verses like first kings chapter 10 verse 22 the king had loads of gold silver ivory apes and peacocks from a fleet of the ships of tarshish every three years then jehoshaphat this is not a good story in first kings twenty-two forty-eight, he built ships of tarshish to go to opir for gold but they were ships that never sailed. So we have ships without a harbor, and now we have ships that never sailed. And they were in fact, they were in fact wrecked before they could ever set sail. And of course, there are lessons for us there. We don't want to be ships that never sailed. We don't want to get our education and do all the things that we should be doing and then have a shipwreck in our lives because we do something really foolish. We do something that goes against the word of God and goes against the testimony of Jesus in our lives and end up being a ship that never sailed. 
But in Jehoshaphat's case, it says he built ships of Tarshish. Now, it doesn't say he built ships to go to Tarshish. It said he built ships of Tarshish. So he's not from Tarshish. Uh, So what does that mean? He built ships of Tarshish. It came to mean that any ship with the tall, tall masts and sails and any ship that was meant for long sea journeys came to be called a ship of Tarshish. And we can see how that kind of thing happens even today in our language. If something, if we're always referring to that thing, um, for example... Uh, when we want to photocopy something. For so many years, Xerox was the only company that made a machine that would photocopy something. So if we're going to photocopy something, we say, oh, um, can you Xerox some copies for me? Yeah, Xerox, it just became the word because it was so common to use of that. So it was like that with ships of Tarshish. So they were just the tall ships. Any nation could have built them but they were meant for long sea journeys. All right, so ships that came back to Tyre, but it was destroyed. So they were ships without a harbor. From the land of Cyprus, it was revealed to them, be still, O inhabitants of the coast, the merchants of Sidon who crossed the sea have filled you, and on many waters your revenue was the grain of Shihor. The harvest of the Nile, you were the merchant of the nations. Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken. The strongholds of the sea, saying, I have neither labored nor given birth. I have neither reared young men nor brought up young women. When the report comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish over the report about Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish, wail, O inhabitants of the coast. Is this your exultant city, whose origin is from days of old? Whose feet carried her to settle far away? Who has purposed this against Tyre? The bestower of crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were the honored of the earth. The Lord of hosts has purposed it. To defile the pompous pride of all the glory, to dishonor all the honored of the earth. Cross over you land like cross over your land like the Nile, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no restraint any more. He has restrained, he has stretched out his hand over the sea. He has shaken the kingdoms. The Lord has given command concerning Canaan to destroy its strongholds. And he said, You will no more exult, O oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon. Arise, cross over to Cyprus. Even there you will have no rest. Behold the land of the Chaldeans. This is the people that was not. Assyria destined it for wild beasts. They erected siege towers. They stripped her palaces bare. They made her a ruin. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for your stronghold is laid waste. In that day, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, like the days of one king. At the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the prostitute. Take a harp, go about the city, O forgotten prostitute. Make sweet melodies, sing many songs that you may be remembered. All right, so Tyre was completely destroyed. And it will be 
forgotten, it says, for 70 years. Again, Isaiah is so specific. You don't have to be afraid to be specific when you know that God has spoken to you like Isaiah did. And it's interesting to me that it talks about the song of the prostitute. Mm. There are different song of in Isaiah and in the Bible in general. There are different song of this, song of that. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 5, it talks about a song of fools. I think I don't want to sing that song. I think I don't want to sing the song of a prostitute. I don't want to sing a song of fools. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 5, it says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. Oh, so there's a song of fools that I shouldn't even be hearing. I should rather be hearing the song of the wise. Okay, who is fool? Uh, who's the fool? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool is an unbeliever who disregards God or completely claims that there is no God. I don't want to listen to the songs of fools. Why would I fill myself with the song of fools and become foolish myself? Hello, everybody who loves to listen to all these secular music by artists who deny God or don't want to admit that he is Lord. Song of fools. Of course, in the Psalms, we have the songs of ascent. Now, those are songs of the wise because those are songs of people who are going up to worship at the house of the Lord. Also in Isaiah, besides the song of prostitute, in Isaiah 25 verse 5, we have the song of the ruthless. Ooh, another song I don't want to sing. <laughs> I don't want it to be part of my life. In Psalm 92, we have a song of the Sabbath. We have different songs. And you know what? A song is something that flows out of your heart. It's something that flows out of who you are. And people fill their heads with these songs from all these different sources. Songs of prostitutes, songs of fools, adulterers. So if you're a fool who denies God and lives in denial of God's ways, what kind of song is going to flow out of your heart? What kind of song is going to be coming out of your mouth? What would you write? What would you sing? And why would we listen to a song of a fool? Oh, very important. Songs of prostitutes, adulterers, songs of fools. Why would we listen to that? We would rather fill our hearts with the song of the wise. So Isaiah has several examples of these songs, and we should pay attention. Verse 17, at the end of 70 years, the Lord will visit Tyre, and she will return to her wages, and will prostitute herself with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. So you notice God was gracious. God came back and restored her. And what did she do? She just went back to the same old, same old. That often happens. You notice that often happens. You try to show grace to someone and mercy to someone and 
if their heart is wicked, their heart is wicked. It doesn't, it doesn't work. In verse 18, her merchandise and her wages, her merchandise, the merchandise of Tyre, this port city, this important city where all the wealth of all the region would flow through, her merchandise and her wages, what's going to happen to them? They will be holy to the Lord. It will not be stored or hoarded, but her merchandise will supply abundant food and fine clothing for those who dwell before the Lord. You have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. Is that right? And does the Bible not say that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous? Don't fret. Don't fret. God's got a plan. And it includes your prosperity. Amen. Now, we've come to chapter 24, which starts off, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate. So now we have in chapter 24, 16 times in one chapter where it mentions the earth. So obviously, we're talking about the earth. So not a specific nation somewhere around Judah. But now the whole earth, which brings to mind how Isaiah started his whole prophecy way back in chapter 1, saying, Shema Shabaim, hear, O heavens, and listen, O earth. So it's something that's very much grander than just to a specific nation. It says he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the slave, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. You know, when it comes to the laws of God, everybody's equal, right? There's nobody who is, oh, kawawa, they're too pitied to be held accountable to the law, and there's nobody who is too powerful to be held accountable to the, to the word of God, and also when God stretches out his hand in judgment or destruction, nobody is going to be exempt because of who they are. The earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken his this word." you notice how many times Isaiah says this? It's going to happen. Why? Because the Lord has spoken. Oh, we love to sing that song. May it be to me as you have said. When God speaks, it is so, it is so, it is so. That is true of every promise in the book of God, in the book of the Lord. So if the Lord has spoken something in judgment, it will happen. If the Lord has spoken a blessing over your life, it will be so. For the Lord has spoken, or Isaiah would say, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So it will be. The earth mourns and withers. The world languishes and withers. The highest people of the earth languish. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. You know, you talk about defiling the earth by pollution. We defile the earth by our sins, and God sees that. He doesn't appreciate it. 
Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. The wine mourns, the vine languishes, all the merry-hearted sigh. The mirth of the tambourines is stilled, the noise of the jubilant has ceased, the mirth of the lyre is stilled. No more do they drink wine with singing, strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The wasted city is broken down. Every house is shut up so that no one can enter. There's an outcry in the streets for lack of wine. All joy has grown dark. The gladness of the earth is banished. Desolation is left in the city. The gates are battered into ruins. For thus it shall be in the midst of the earth among the nations. As when an olive tree is beaten, as when the gleaning of the grape harvest is done, Oh, as when an olive tree is beaten, but there are still olives that are left there. The gleaning, what's left after the tree is beaten. You beat the tree, <laughs> there's still olives there somewhere. The gleaning after the grape harvest is done. Gleaning, remember Ruth was gleaning in the fields after the other girls had harvested. When you harvest, you miss this one or you miss that one. There's still, in other words, a remnant. There will always be a remnant. And they, the remnant, the people who are there, they lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the West. So they're rejoicing that God is righteous and God is just and God is doing justly in his actions. And they're rejoicing over the majesty of the Lord. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. All over every part of the earth, north to south, the east to west, give glory to the Lord. And come to the Lord and acknowledge him. Oh, sounds a little bit like our Zoom crusades right now. In our Zoom outreaches, we have no boundaries and no travel time, and we are reaching people from Scotland, New Zealand, Middle East, Canada, all over the world. Verse 16, from the ends of the earth, we hear songs of praise, of glory to the righteous one. Oh, I love that verse, and I want to be part of singing the praises of God. From here in our part of the world, let's sing praises and give glory to the righteous one. But I say, I waste away, I waste away, woe is me, for the traitors have betrayed. With betrayal, the traitors have betrayed. Terror and pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth. He who flees at the sound of terror shall fall into the pit. He who climbs out of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows of heaven are open and the foundations of the earth tremble. Oh, the windows of heaven are open? Where else do you see a phrase like that? Where else do you see the windows of heaven are open? Isn't it in Malachi 3 verse 10? But in that case, it says the windows of heaven are open and they will flood blessings until there's not enough room to contain it. Hmm, 
very different. The windows of heaven are open in judgment pouring out, or the windows of heaven are open in blessings pouring out. You know, the windows of heaven, it's a very individual thing. The windows of heaven in your life, how will they open? It's a choice for you. Will they open in judgment like this? Will they open in blessings, pouring out blessings? What do you have to do to open the windows of heaven in blessings? It's all talking, of course, about acknowledging the Lord with the tithe, bringing tithes and offerings to the Lord. It's a choice. It's a choice based on everyday righteousness. And we will see the difference. Verse 19 the earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it, and it falls and will not rise again. See what sin does to you? On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison, and after many days they will be punished. And the moon will be confounded, and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. Doesn't that all sound so familiar? Things that will be happening in the days of the tribulation, in the millennial reign, where the Lord of hosts will reign from Jerusalem. And you know what? Life is a choice. Your future is a choice. Choose to live. Choose God. Choose his ways. Choose to serve the Lord with gladness. Choose righteousness in your life. Choose to submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to accept him as your Savior and Lord, and live for him. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. That's our Isaiah reading for today. God bless you and keep you. Thank you for joining us for devotions. Please do join us again tonight for our evening service, COP online service at 7 p.m.